the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In a court of law, you can have counsel represent you, or you can represent yourself. The judge will always tell you the latter is a rather poor choice. We'll take a look at it from a spiritual perspective next. Hello, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to our program. We're continuing our journey through Romans. Today we're back in chapter 5 as we answer a simple question, who represents you? And we're talking about who's representing you before the high court of heaven. Join us for the answer, the marvelous, glorious, grace-filled answer. Here's Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Let's begin at uh, Romans five twelve. Therefore, big hinge again. He's been talking because we've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Therefore, because he's been arguing this now for about three chapters. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... And death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. He is a pattern, a type. So Adam is a type of another man, the last Adam, Christ himself. So we're going to see as he develops this, he's going to show the comparisons between the two men, Adam and Christ, and the contrast. You must know that the writers of Scripture and Christ himself never took Adam and Eve to be mystical beings. They understood they were the first man and woman, and it's never debated. It's accepted. Uh, Some come along and just say this is a mythological character that Scripture hangs on, but not at all. The, The writers of Scripture say Adam, whose name meant man, was the representative of the human race, Christ of a new race of men and women that will be found in him. Now he goes on to say, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. 
But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For justice through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The big picture that seems to be stated one way or the other over and over is this. God sees the whole human race represented by one of two men. Either you're represented by the first Adam, and he tells you what that Adam did and the consequences, that he did an act of sin that brought about universal consequences, death. And then he puts up another man, Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, and says he came and he did an act of obedience to the Father's will. And whereas this Adam introduced sin, trespassed against God's command, And with him came death and condemnation. Over here, this God-man, Christ, obeyed God completely in perfect righteousness and brought with him forgiveness, the gift of righteousness, which is called justification in Romans, and the gift of eternal life. Now, the issue is, which man represents you? Which man are you now seen in? And God would judge the entire race by which man is their representative. The unsaved world outside of Christ, Christ does not represent them before God at all. I heard a nice sermon title for Galatians that said, It's Christ alone or you're on your own. It's Christ alone or you're on your own. If you want to face God by yourself, I've told the story before how that uh, I got a bad accountant trying to help me out, but he kept doing my taxes wrong, so I was red flagged for five years in a row, audited five times. And finally, um, IRS kept on my case, and this uh, accountant told me, said, you know what, being a layman, you need to challenge this before the tax court because you're innocent. And as a layman, uh, just presenting your own case, I'll coach you. You'll get off 
pretty good with the judge. If you had a lawyer, it gets more complicated. So, uh, falling into what Abraham Lincoln said, he who has himself for a lawyer has a fool, I became my own lawyer. And uh, I prepped for that day, uh, and I went to court. Well, I thought this was going to be a little, I don't know what I was thinking, just kind of a a little backroom thing to, uh, naivety was abounding. When I got in the uh, uh, courtroom, uh, the Supreme Court judges come out, not Supreme Court, but the circuit judges out of D.C., came into the San Francisco federal court, and I go in there, and nothing I can see in the hallways but lawyers up and down. Lawyers, 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 for the government, going after tax evaders. I asked, what am I doing here? And uh, I, I presented my case, I lost my case, and I paid the government its money. So, uh, I know what it is to come before a judge without legal representation. And this is the plight of the whole race apart from Christ, to have to come before the judge of the universe someday without any legal representative but yourself and your identity in Adam. Let's begin verses 12 through 14. Uh, Some of the most uh, theological, maybe some of the most debated concepts in Scripture. Sin entered the world through one man. Adam, don't eat of the fruit of the tree. He did. God promised, if you eat of that tree, you will die. And so was sin. One sin brought universal corruption. And in that one sin, it was as though poison was poured into the fountain of the human race, and the whole race is born tainted now by that one act, so that he says something that is astounding, because all sinned. Now, the debate is, uh, what do you mean we all sinned? I thought Adam sinned. Well, Adam, as the representative of the race... And the Jewish mind thought of this. When they judged Achan, the whole nation was seen to be guilty of Achan's sin. When he said, don't take anything in this battle. When he stole the Babylonian garment, God said, the nation has sinned against me. Only one man had, but he represented the nation before God. It's kind of this idea of clan, representing the clan, representing Abraham, representing his whole nation of Israel. It was used in Hebrews 7 of all places that uh, when Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek, Levi was similarly in the loins of Abraham and got credit for having paid tithes to Melchizedek. They call that seminal imputation in the loins of another and got credit for it. Well, the race, he is saying, is a solidarity in the mind of God. And at the head of that race, when the head fell, the race fell, so that our sin problem is traced all the way back to our first parents. We sinned. Now, you say, that that doesn't seem fair. No, 
There's no place in Scripture God seeks to be fair. He's just, but if he just stayed just, you would never go to heaven. You're not going to heaven because God's fair. You're going to heaven because God's gracious. You're not going to heaven. You you think you earned it. I can tell. I just tell him the silence. If God was just fair, you'd never be there. Because he started out with you as being guilty. Fairness demands your death. Right? But here's the thing. If you don't buy in and accept the idea that Adam represented the race, remember, he's the pattern that Christ represents another race. Those who have put faith in Christ come under his representation, and now we get credit for everything he's done right. Not fair, it's gracious. Over here, so you you don't want to undo the one for the other. Now, if you know anything about Roman Catholic theology, the fourth century, a big debate broke out between two bishops, uh, both of them from Africa. And the bishops were Pelagius and Augustine. And Pelagius said that uh, we are not born with sin. Uh, We are not guilty of Adamic sin. And every one of us are born absolutely as Adam and Eve were created. We're born innocent. We're born without any propensity to evil. It's all without. And we're all on probation and if we would just obey, we have the potential of living a perfect life. Augustine said, no, no, no. The fall of Adam passed on a bent nature to his posterity so that you're a sinner before you ever commit your first sin. It's common to think, I became a sinner when I sinned. Augustine said, you were a sinner and you will sin. Now, that's a big difference. David said, I begin to sin when I saw Bathsheba. No, he didn't. He said, I was conceived in sin, Psalms 51. Now, the act of conception was not the sin. God blesses procreation. That's a blessed event right? For life is a gift from God. The sex act was not a sin. No. The sin was I, when mom and dad put together a new life, inherent in that life is a sinful bent that only time will reveal that they're a sinner. Now, to prove this, he goes on to show that universal death Death broke out from the time of Adam to Moses when there were no laws to break. We had, we had no prohibitions. Just don't kill anyone. Genesis 9. If you kill anybody, we get to take your life. But he said they had no law between that time. And yet men and women kept dying. And death is always the result of sin. And so, is death universal? Yeah. The whole race is born dead towards God. 
the whole race is appointed to die unless we escape it by the coming of Christ and we're translated. But death is universal. And he's saying the cause for our death is universal. It's all the way back to our identification in our representative, Adam. He killed us. He brought death to the family tree. Now, uh, he begins to develop, and just all the way through here, back and forth, back and forth, what Adam brought to us, and then he introduces, but Adam is a pattern or a type of another man who represents those who are justified before God. And he's going to begin to take from verses 15 on through especially 19. He's going to contrast. The one man, Adam, did this, and it brought that. Christ did this, brought that. And he's just going to just keep comparison, contrast, and then we want to finally wrap up with which man represents you and look at the three great imputations that the Bible teaches us about. Now, notice it's just over and over. You may get a little weary of the redundant back and forth. He doesn't want you to miss it. And it just keeps going back and forth. We begin in verse 15. Notice what he says. But the gift is not like the trespass. And notice the word gift. Verse 15, it's used twice. It's used in verse 16, twice. Uh, It's used down in verse 17. So he's talking about Christ brought us a gift. And the gift he brought was the gift of righteousness that results in eternal life. The gift he brought is justification. Adam brought condemnation. Now, in Christ, our representative, union with him, you're justified, declared righteous before God. Now, watch what he says. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Much more God has done for us in Christ to undo everything that was done to us by being seen in Adam, our representative. God has much more brought a gift. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. Adam brought sin, brought death, brought I'm condemned before God. I'm guilty as a sinner. How can I get, how can I, uh, get an exit from the human race and go to heaven and be right with God? How do I get out of this condemned status that I find myself with Adam as the representative? How do I get out of there? God's offering as a gift in another man. And the other man is Jesus Christ, And the gift he's offering is a justified status before God through faith in Christ. Watch what he says. Uh, 
The judgment came in 16, brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. What an amazing thing. Do you think sin is powerful? One sin has caused the funeral of every person that's ever died from Adam to now. One sin. One sin unleashed death. And whether you believe the theology that I'm represented in Adam or not, you're not going to escape death. It's a universal cause. Babies die. Who committed the sin? What makes a baby die? I thought sin makes them die. Well, babies haven't had a chance to commit a sin, have they? It's not a sin for them to be born, but you know what? We bury babies. Why do babies die? They're identified with Adam, and he unleashed death in the human family. By the way, in church history, a big issue faced the church. How can we guarantee infants heaven? We know they die. How can we guarantee that they can go to heaven? And all kinds of formulas have been invented. Get them baptized. Get them to do this. Parents do that. They even had a deal where the parent could exercise faith that would be imputed to the child so you stood good for them at the fount when they were being initially dedicated to the church and baptized, and you could exercise faith that would be transferred to them because we had to be sure we got our babies to heaven. Because we know they die before they ever have a chance to commit an act of sin. Why do they die? The universal result of the race being seen in this one. I'm of the theological opinion they're not lost. And we don't have time to develop all the reasons for that now. But the church has scrambled for 2,000 years. What do we do with babies that die? Major issue if you've ever buried a child, even if you've had a miscarriage, because we believe that baby was alive. That tension the church wrestled with for years. What is the state of our children that die in infancy? Well, he's going over and over. After all of this sin, years and millenniums of sin... Centuries of sin, along comes the gift of God. And in one act of Christ, who followed up on the multitude of transgressions, trespasses, sin, and rebellion, the one Christ was able to undo all of that against everyone who puts faith in him. You'll see language through here. He'll use the language many and all. When it talks about Adam, it's everybody. The many is the whole human race. The all is the whole human race. When the many and the all is used of Christ, it's all those who put faith. It's not a universalism that says the whole race is saved. 
No, he has said from chapter 1 on, you must put faith in Christ to receive the benefits of Christ. So over and over, but this is what you get when you put faith in Christ. He will bring justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, and notice, the gift of righteousness, and reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name of the Lord.